This is Alex. And this is Mason. And this is The Overcompetitive Bystanders. And this is our show where we share our strong opinions about things we don't know anything about. One of us favors college, one of us favors NFL. Let's see how this goes. So we didn't record last week, and so I got to have my little Twitter storm. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about it now, like in person. Uh, yeah. Because we didn't have that much uh, discussion. We texted a little bit. but So basically it's the idea that Boise State is throwing a little hissy fit at the Mountain West um, because of the current TV deal. Right. So just to sum it up really fast, um, Boise State was getting an extra $1.8 million over the rest of the Mountain West in the old TV deal. Um, everyone else was getting $1.1 million. Boise State was getting basically $3 million. Um, Okay. And then they went through and they they got this new contract in which all of the Mountain West is now up to just over or approaching four million. Right. Um, and Boise State is still getting that one point eight extra, but the all of their TV or all of their home games will be on Fox. All of their road games will be on CBS Sports. Everyone else is kind of just mixed in. Right. The basketball games, there's more that'll be televised. Um, that's kind of the general idea of it all. Well, then the commissioner of the Mountain West, Thompson, Craig Thompson, came out and said that this would be the last contract in which Boise State gets their bonus. Huh. Um. And Boise State got pissed at that. They didn't like that. Um, I mean, I get that. Yeah. So I agree with their argument, and I think legally they have they'd win this case when they rejoined the Mountain West. Technically, because they joined the Mountain West and then they joined the big the Big East mm-hmm. before ever playing a Mountain West game, and then they when the Big East collapsed like within a couple months, like, so again, never having done a big East, anything, they rejoined the mountain West and to get them to rejoin the mountain West made a few concessions to him, including the 1.8 million bonus and that Boise state previously was banned from wearing the blue on blue on blue on the blue field. Uh huh. But when they rejoined, that was that, um, that was taken out of the contract. So now they're. So that that's weird that met the Mountain West banned that, not the NCAA. Yeah, it's because the NCAA is stupid and really has no power. That's the stupid thing. I I I do agree with the idea then that teams that's colors are green can't go green on green on green on green. Right. I think that's fair to say for for all of them. Say to Baylor, you can't wear a green helmet, green jersey, and green pants on your field. That's the rule. Done. Yeah, I agree. I think it's fine. But yeah, so that was taken out of the Mountain West contract, um, and then they got the bonus money and the ESPN special sweetheart deal. So, um, but the thing is, when they when they signed like came back with that, that did not have you'll get this bonus money 
with this TV contract, you'll get this bonus money for 10 years. That just said you'll get this bonus money. Right. Done. And so they don't like that Thompson has turned around and said, this is the last time you'll get it. Now, all of the other schools have expressed to Thompson they don't want to give Boise this bonus money anymore. Gotcha. So that's not just Thompson acting on his own like right. an idiot. That's 11 of the 12 people sitting at the table saying, we don't like this anymore. And the commissioner saying, collectively, we don't like this. Yeah, at that point, it's a definite unanimous majority. Oh, yes, a unanimous majority. Yep, that's a thing. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's the whole idea. I get that. I get the Boise State's pissed, but also that's like seven years away. Right. So you have seven years to talk about this. But then um, the other thing that apparently pissed Boise off, and this one I, it really bothers me was apparently Boise State is mad that their bonus didn't increase proportionally. Oh, right. So 1.8 million to to, to the 1.1 million compared to whatever it would be to the 4 million they're getting paid now. Yeah. Which, I mean, just really rough math, that's 1.8, we'll call the, before they were getting 3 million, and everyone else was getting one million. So they were getting three times what everyone else was getting, roughly, a little less. Right. But with the current one, everybody's getting just short of four million. So they think they should get twelve million? Apparently. Yeah, it doesn't so, work like that. Which is more than any American team like any team in the AAC is getting. Um it's I mean it's still substantially less than like any of the power five teams. Cause like, I think don't quote me on this, but I think the PAC 12 is 30 million a year and they're one of the lowest. Hmm. Okay. Somebody's 30 million a year. I just feel like if they're paying everyone out to 4 million, there's no way you're getting 12. Yeah. It's not realistic. It's just super not realistic. It's no. absolutely dumb. The fact that you're, yeah, you, you you can't say the stipulation was one point eight million dollars forever, and then be like, "Well, no, it should now be eight million dollars." Oh, yeah. So, actually, something interesting. As of right now, um, the SEC, every team is getting four million dollars a year. Really, but at the end of the twenty twenty three season. It's because of their current contract. Right. Um, it'll be $30 million a year. Okay. What so. The, and the Pac-12 is already $30 million? Uh, Pac-12 would have to be less than that. You would think. So the Big Ten gives 54 to everyone. $54 million? To spread. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's actually pretty small, So too. that's like $5.4 each? Yeah. And so what I really think it is... Um, is it's the whole idea that 
those are the old contracts and so we're lucky that we're on the like the mountain west is is getting the new contract right and then that's it like because the american gets seven million a year okay so all of these conferences are probably just on the tail end of their tv deals and within the next five years they'll all jump to that 20 to 30 million okay yep um so even if even if they left this year they're not going to get paid be paid 12 million no they wouldn't get paid 12 million if they left this year that makes it even more ridiculous yeah um so yeah so with boise state saying like throwing this fit apparently they are they they put out a statement saying that they're mad um and they are evaluating options well it turns out that same day that they put out a statement saying that they're evaluating options they filed a grievance with the state of idaho against the mountain west conference um and everybody said oh they're suing them well the mountain west and boise state has come together and said no 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 it's not a lawsuit but then one of these one of the dudes on twitter was like well i guess i need to go back to law school because this is how a lawsuit starts this is a lawsuit right you file this exactly. And, and I think the guy was even from Idaho and he's like in the state of Idaho or whatever, this is how you file a lawsuit. Right. So whether or not it's advancing is something else, but this is not just like a disappointment comment. Like this is a lawsuit. Yeah. This is not a Yelp review. Yeah. This is a, we we're going to, we're trying to take you to court. Yeah, so that was dumb. That I, I think it's super dumb that Boise State did that. Um, yeah, that is dumb. What's funny is you can read the uh, you can read this the thing. It's a public document. Um, but my favorite part is the comment in there about how Boise State said that their iconic blue field boosts um, TV viewership numbers at home and on the road. How? And everybody said, "Wait." What? <laughs> your I, home field makes it so your road games get better TV viewership. Absolutely. That 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 transfers. There's logic and, in there somewhere. And I also kind of look at the idea that I know a lot of people that do not like watching Boise State games on TV. And so they won't watch games that Boise State plays at home just because of the TV. See, and that's how they boost their views on the road. That's they true. get all the people that want to watch Boise but hate their f- blue field. Yep. And then everybody who wants to watch a blue field watches them at home. That makes sense. There you go. It There's the logic. Both. It, it boosts, boosts both. both. Yep. <laughs> um, so that was dumb. But they also, yeah. like somebody joked that in the second paragraph of the document, it um, shows that like the lawsuit is frivolous because it calls Boise state a uh, department of higher education. <laughs> and they're like, if you know, Boise state's education, you know that it's not that. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, so Their Boise education state, is probably why they're not in the PAC 12 right now. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's 100% what held them out of the PAC 12. I know there were other small things like they didn't have a baseball team and the PAC 12 required that. But stuff like that, you can move around pretty quick. Yeah, like you can get. You just announce team. we have a baseball team now. Yep. 
Um, and you, you can suck for like five to 10 years after starting new. Yeah. And especially with baseball, like at, at any of the smaller sports, no one's going to care. No. Like, yeah, they're going to say you, you better start performing, but they're not going to be expecting excellence at that moment. Right. But yeah, so, uh, Boise state did that. Um, and a lot of people were talking about what their options are. Um, primarily, I love the ones that were like, is this going to be enough that pushes Boise into the big 12? And I was like, <laughs> oh yeah. Cause Boise's been, been holding that door closed to the big 12. Yeah. The big 12 has been begging them every year. Please Boise state. We need a sixth, seventh best team to join our conference. Yeah. And Boise state has said, no, our 3 million a year that we get from the mountain West is too good. Yeah. Yeah. So that was dumb. That was real dumb. Yeah. Um, but just to sum up kind of what I, I, I tweeted and everything. So it turned out that Boise state was looking at the big sky and the WCC for their Olympic sports, meaning that football would go somewhere as football only. And then everything else would go in the big sky and WCC. Um, I didn't really talk about WCC and big sky that much. Um, WCC, the fact that they're talking to the WCC makes me think that nothing, that they aren't serious about it. The WCC would never take Boise State. One, they are all religious universities. Oh. <laughs> Every single school is a religious school. That's part of the reason BYU fits pretty well there. Okay. Um, Two, they're religious schools that focus on education. <laughs> there, so as of right now, in the in the most recent like U.S. News ranking, uh-huh. the average WCC school has a better ranking than the Pac-12. Wow. Okay. And the Pac-12 has Stanford. Right. Like, basically, USC what, isn't a terrible school. No, USC's good. UCLA's good. Cal's good. Um, Washington is good. Um, Utah's good. Utah's Utah's business is good. Their medical is still top. Yeah, Utah's pretty good. Arizona and Arizona State have their qualities. Yeah, party schools. Colorado has a great aerospace program. Like they're they're not bad, but yeah, the little schools that are in the, the WCC take it very seriously. Right. Um, you know, these are schools that their gyms are 2000 people and they look like a high school gym because they have 3000 students. Right. Boise state doesn't fit that at all. So no. WCC, they're never going to get into the WCC. Yeah. That's a weird, the big sky is the more realistic option of where everything would go. Okay. But that to me is a huge problem for Boise State. Why is that? So the big sky, that is Weber State. That's Idaho and Idaho State, who Boise State has spent decades saying that they're better than. Right. This, I mean, this is like if BYU would have had to when they were leaving the Mountain West 
would have had to say, yeah, we're going to go be in the same conference as Weber State, SUU, um, Idaho, Idaho State, Montana, FCS schools, and schools that don't carry football anymore. This isn't a step to the side. This is a massive step down. Right. Um, and for Boise to do that, it would would be horrible. Not to mention the fact that the TV money that they would get from the That's Big what I was Sky just thinking. Would be little to nothing. Right. Um, I guess they Boise just really State's, don't care about their other sports. Yeah, and that would ha- it would have to be the idea that you just don't care about anything else. Um, Boise State's other sports aren't that good. That's I mean, true. they're competitive in basketball. They're good, but they're not. You know, they're they're not enough to where the WCC would say, "Yeah, we'll take that big Boise team who right. doesn't really fit the mold because it'll help our basketball." Boise doesn't bring that much else to the table, other than football. So if you're selling everything else and giving it to the Big Sky, they won't even get a special TV contract with the Big Sky. They'd just be normal. But that leaves two options for football if they were to do Big Sky. Okay. That leaves Independence or the American. Um, I'll start with Independence because it is the dumb choice. Um, I firmly believe that if your name is not Notre Dame or you are not a, a military academy, you cannot sustain Independence and expect to come out better than you win in. Especially as a team that's not really a nationwide team. Exactly. There's not people in Virginia that are huge Boise State fans unless they move there from Idaho. Unless they're transplants, exactly. Um, the reason that the military academies and Notre Dame can succeed and BYU to a level can succeed at it is because there are people all around the country that have a defining characteristic that says, I like that team. Right. Be they Catholic, Mormon, or military. Right. Or children of military. Um, There's not enough people from all throughout the U.S. that can say, I'm from Boise. Or I, you know, I'm from Idaho. Or I grew up a Broncos fan. There will be those people, right? But there, there are Utah State fans like that. There are like the, every school has a spread, but there's no way Boise State could honestly say that they would be a a stadium draw if they were to play a a road game at East Carolina as an independent team. Right. And and honestly, who wants to play Boise State? Yeah. Like Yeah, exactly. They're they're they're, they're a semi decent group of five team. Yep. So they, you either beat them like you should and oh oh goody, you beat uh, a Boise State or they surprise you and you lose and you just scheduled yourself a loss to a team that didn't bolster your viewership or ticket sales at all. Yep, exactly. And so, and it's the same problem with scheduling those teams to come to do a home and home. 
Right. Um, like Boise State has a few right now, and I don't doubt the fact that Boise State would be able to get P five schools to to do home and homes with them. But we're not talking about home and homes like what BYU has right now, where next year they're playing like seven Power Five games, and like half of them are at home, and that's right. good for for BYU. But we're talking, and it, the other thing is, it took BYU ten years of scheduling to get to that, right? Because everything's scheduled so far in advance. But Boise State wouldn't have the draw to do that. No, Boise State doesn't have a sixty-five thousand person stadium. Boise State doesn't have that draw to fill their own stadium. Let alone um, a stadium across the nation. Yeah, it's it's not gonna be enough. No. Um, but to me, the most important reason to why this is a horrible option for Boise State is that they lose the access to the New Year's Six Bowl. Um by because right now if you are basically in the American or or the Mountain West you win the conference if you're the highest ranked G5 team or G5 champion at the end of the season you are now automatically into a New Year's 6 game right um Boise State since 2011 has not been in any position for the at large they made some they they made the BCS and and New Year's Six games because of winning the the conference and and being the highest ranked, but it was not a situation where they were the BCS busters right. like CF has been, like Memphis was, like you know the mm. Boise State team that won it was like a nine win team, right? You know Boise's good. But it's the whole idea of if you're taking away the prize at the end of the tunnel along with a conference championship, your home games are, especially early on, are going to be a lot of G5 games that are at the level of the Mountain West or below because there's not much better than the Mountain West other than the American. Right. And you're not going to get every American team coming to town. No. You're going to get that. You're going to get one to two P5 schools coming to town each year, which they basically already get. And you have no conference title on the on the line, and you have no New Year's Six year New Year's Six on the line. So as soon as you lose one game, New Year's Six is out of the window. You have nothing to play for anymore. Yeah. You have nothing to brag about. You can't turn around to recruits and say, "Hey, we are you know we were the." the Mountain West champion, you know, two of the last four years, you know, we've played in the Mountain West championship game every year. You, you just have to turn around and say, yeah, we're really, you know, we're a 10 and two team every year. We're going to play, play for a 10 and two team. We're going to play a few power five teams every year. Granted, a lot of the time they're going to be team like Vanderbilt, but yeah, they're, they're gonna get... it's, it's not going to be anything to brag about. It's not no. going to be anything that they're, that's going to bring people in. So to me, independence is the worst option that, that Boise could go for. Right. The American is a good, well, it's a good option and it has value. And I could understand that. Like if Boise state could move entirely to the American, 
it makes some sense. But keep in mind, so right now Boise State is getting roughly $6 million a year. The American is getting $7 million a year. Now, to get that $7 million, you have to be a full member. But what happens when your golf and your baseball and your basketball and women's basketball and everyone all of a sudden has it where um, I looked it up. Their closest conference opponent is 1,500 miles away. Right. When you look at the Mountain West, the furthest Mountain West opponent, not counting Hawaii, was 1,000 miles away. Wow. So this isn't just a, yeah, you're reaching a little more. This is 100% out. Right. Um, and that's for your closest. Your furthest and your cross-divisional games are 2,000 miles away. Jeez. And when you start thinking about a flight from Boise to, to Orlando, that's not going to be cheap. That's not going to be easy. No. Um, and they're somewhat lucky that the Amer- that Yukon left because that would be the same going the other way. And so you're totally stretching out everything. Your travel costs are going to be astronomical. Uh, for football alone, you're guaranteed four conference road games that are three of them all will be divisional. Well, two to three of them. Right. That's 1,500 miles away. We'll, we'll be nice and call it that. You're guaranteed one cross-divisional road game that's at least 2,000. Now, what happens if they play in a conference title game and they don't have home field advantage? Well, now that's a fifth conference title game that you have to go all the way across the country for. Okay, but what about your non-conference games that you have scheduled? Last year, they played in Florida State. That might be a sixth one on the East Coast. Oh, don't forget that the uh, bowl games that the American has ties to are all on the East Coast. Seven conference, seven games that are 20,000 miles away from Boise. That's just not realistic to ask a fan base. No. You're, you're asking your fans to become airline pilots because otherwise there's just no way you could do it. No, uh, that's too far. Because that $7 million a year that you could get from the American, if you're a football-only member, normally, if you're lucky, you get 80% of that deal. Guess what? That's now less than what you're getting from the Mountain West, and your travel costs are more. And- let's say... Let's say you're in the mount or you're in the big uh, sky and you get just an awesome deal for TV and it's a million dollars. Right. Cool. You're back to where you started with much higher costs. Your Olympic sports are in the trash and your fan base can't travel to games well. Yeah. It would be a horrible move. Yeah, no, that's um, bad. And this is all worse if if they go independent. If they go independent, it's all worse, yeah. top to bottom. Um, 
so that's that's I've ranted good on on that. Yeah, just a little um, bit. I really wish Boise State would just. I, I hope that they're just trying to position in the Mountain West, that they're just trying to make sure that this this money next time is more, and that's it. Maybe okay. restructure the contract, guarantee that it's a ten percent increase per year or whatever. I don't know, but I hope for Boise State's sake that they're not doing this because it could it could destroy him like i believe it is slowly destroying byu and i believe byu is better structured for this than boise state will ever be absolutely absolutely so um and then i i just have a couple news items that i wanted to talk about real quick okay um i'm super happy because bo pelini was named the lsu defensive coordinator uh, do you do you know who Bo Pelini is? The name sounds familiar, but okay. So he used to be the head coach of Nebraska. That's right. Um, and then he was fired for going like nine and three, or maybe it was eight and four, like six years in a row. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I actually it was nine and four. That's what he went. He went nine and four every year for like six years because they would. They'd go like eight and four and then win their bowl game, or they'd go nine and three and then lose their bowl game. That's, that's um, hilarious. Yeah, but they fired him because that—that's not good enough at Nebraska. You right. have to be more successful. Absolutely. Um, but I just had to laugh because so he one of his most famous moments was he carried a cat out onto the field when the team took the field. What? Yeah. If you look it up, Bo Pelini cat. Um, and he, he he's just a goofy looking guy too. Um, but yeah, he carried a cat on to the field. Um, he just looks like a weird dude. Yeah, he does. He really does. There but he I love is it. carrying his. Oh, that's a fat cat too. Yeah, it is a fat cat. Um, but. That, along with other things, has spawned Faux Pelini. And I'm almost positive you've seen Faux Pelini's tweets on Twitter. Definitely. Because he's hilarious. I definitely have. And so Faux Pelini started as some Nebraska fans, or as a Nebraska fan just making fun of him, but it has just kept going and done super well. Um, and he's had some of the best college football tweets. Well, now... He gets to be Faux Pelini, spelled like the LSU people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he gets to go back. So Bo Pelini actually was the LSU defensive coordinator before he got the Nebraska head j- job, but that was like 13 or 14 years ago. Right. So now it's like fun. I'm so excited. It's going to be so great. It's going to be so great. Is it? Um, yeah, Bo Pelini's an, I mean, he's a good coach. I think he's apparently he's got a personality that's hard to get along with, which I don't doubt. I assume all coaches do. To be a, a head coach, you, or to be a coach in college football or the NFL, you got to be kind of crazy. Yeah, just so, a little bit. Um, yeah. So I assume I assume that'll be great, especially mm-hmm. with with Coach O. Um, 
But then the other defensive coordinator hiring that I wanted to mention was Rocky Long has been hired as the New Mexico defensive coordinator. Okay. Which which means he went from being San Diego State's head coach, resigning, and then becoming the New Mexico defensive coordinator. That's a huge step down. Yep. Did something happen that I missed? No. Basically what happened was he was positioning himself to become the uh, Syracuse defensive coordinator. Uh Uh-huh. And he was trying. He was trying to get a few other uh, Power Five jobs, and uh, didn't get any. But he had already resigned from San Diego State. Oh, okay. So he went back to New Mexico. He had been the head coach at New Mexico. He'd been defensive coordinator at New Mexico. So he likes it there, but <sighs> still, that's not rough. A good move. Not no, a, that yeah. that backfired huge. Yeah, Sometimes it doesn't pay to follow your dreams, kids. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, yep, be careful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just want to mention that because that's a weird one. That that's is weird. weird one. That, I'm um, shocked he couldn't get a, a single job offer better than that. I think he was too late to the market. That's 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 true. I think, he, I think that's what happened is I think he... Uh, I think he sat back. I wonder, I didn't catch what the timeline was. I wonder if he tried to get the LSU one. And then he got the Mexico one too. Well, he tried to get the LSU one as well, but then Bo Pelini is a better hire than Rocky Long there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yeah, so makes it weird. And then I thought I'd talk a little bit about Utah State's offensive and defensive coordinator changes. Okay. I was really impressed with Gary Anderson for being able to do this. Um, but the defense this past year was really bad. Yeah, it was. Um, and Anna was the uh, defensive coordinator. He had previously been the linebacker coach at Utah. Um, and this was one of Gary's guys. This is one of his buddies. Uh-huh. And after one year of it not working, Gary turned around and said, okay, you're a linebacker's coach. And he stayed. He got the guy to stick around at Utah State. He didn't just fire him. Wow. Which which means we had a guy who was the linebackers coach for Utah, one of the West Coast schools that churns out the best linebackers, now being the linebackers coach at Utah State, which is awesome. Yeah. Like, that is such a demotion, but great for Utah State. Yeah, it really is. Um, and then the defense coordinators will be a split. It'll be co-DCs between like Stacy Collins and Frank Miley. And Frank Miley was the assistant head coach. Right, and I remember that. He's been the assistant head coach and DC on and off for like the past like five years. Right. So I love his leadership. I was semi-supportive of him becoming the head coach after Wells. Gotcha. He, was, he was the head coach for the bowl game. Right. Wells wasn't there so i really like that stacy collins has done really well too um and so it's kind of going to be a situation where i believe collins will be working with the dbs and miley will be working um with the linebackers and uh defensive line which he has done really well at so okay well i mean if he's in if he's in any way responsible for uh any of the linebackers that, that Utah State has turned out in the past 10 years. 
I, I trust well. him at the front seven. So he's done well. And then for the OC, um, we got our OC poached by Minnesota. We talked about how that's been weird. That is super weird. Still weird. Um, but we went and got a new OC. Um, it's uh, Bodie. Is it Brody? Did I write it down wrong? No, it's Bodie. Okay. okay. Uh, Bodie Reader. Um, previously, he was the OC at North Texas, and he got fired. But huh. from what it sounds like, most of the North Texas fans that I've heard were surprised that he got fired because they felt the real problem was in the defense, but the head coach fired both those, or both coordinators and said, fresh start. Yeah. I, I Sometimes you, you just kind of have to do that. It's like, yeah. I just, I'm not going to blame either of you. None of this is working. I'm just getting rid of you both. We're going to change it up here. We're going to get a new start. Yep. But uh, Bodie Reader was really good at uh north texas for the couple years he was there well good for you um, state then yeah and so i think it's kind of a a a good grab like a cheap grab um okay. but it should be good i i i feel i feel good about grabbing him um and then the final piece of news was just that the senior bowl happened uh, happen. justin herbert showed up looked good uh, Jordan Love did basically nothing, um, and the rest he got of the senior super hyped bowl, before the game. Yeah, he did. People were really, really loving him. Yeah, I, I think the workouts helped his draft stock a lot. I don't think the game helped it. But it didn't. It didn't change. Did. I haven't looked at anybody else's draft board. Well, that's not true. <laughs> I've seen a few on on Twitter, but these are just random people. Usually, the only like official draft board I've looked at is PFFs. And they did a before Senior Bowl and after Senior Bowl. In both, I, he's either 65th or 67th overall. Oh, really? Okay. Like on their board. Granted, that doesn't mean they think he's going to go 66th or 67th. They just think That's he's just the 66th or 67th best best player, player in the in the draft. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. The height. Um, I saw somebody who projected him getting drafted at number seven by the Panthers, and I think that's probably a little bit of overhype after one day of practice of at the senior bowl after workouts. Mm-hmm. But I do think, um, Oh, what's his name? At NFL draft scout, Matt. Shoot. Anyways, there's, there's a guy whose Twitter handle is NFL draft scout. He talks about NFL all the time. He analyzes pick all the time. He has love as a top 15 pick. Um, and yep. He's he's one of the guys that I respect talking about the draft mm-hmm. and kind of rating these like there's some people that are really good at seeing which player is going to be good in the NFL and some people are not. Some people are good are at saying who's good in the NFL but they have no idea looking at people in college how good they're going to be in the NFL. Some people are really good at seeing like which skills are transferred and there's a reason scouts like that get paid decent to a lot of money if they're good yeah Um, exactly but yeah he's one of the guys i trust and yeah he is love is a top 15 pick which with how many people in the top 15 need a quarterback and i think most people consensus have him as the fourth best quarterback in the league i haven't Mm -hmm. seen i've seen somebody who had him tied with jake Fromm, 
but I don't see anyone saying that Jake Fromm is better. And I, I don't know. I think Jake Fromm probably has a better resume. I just think oh yeah, Jordan for sure Love has the better tangibles. Yeah, I think it's it's the whole idea of trying to coach up, like believing that Jordan can be coached up is yeah. is the thing. He is definitely um, a risk, though. Yeah. Yep, he's like, he's a gamble. Granted, I think most anybody in the draft this year is a gamble. Like even Joe Burrow, who's gonna go number one overall. I Ooh, have some not so fast. Jo- some Joe are Burrow, that who's Herbert could pass no, him. no, he's not. I don't think so. Joe Burrow is going number one. Yeah. Um, and I have some reservations about Burrow as well. Even after this amazing year, I just yeah, I. So my thing with Burrow is he didn't climb the ranks at Ohio State that fast, and his first year at LSU wasn't that impressive. No. So it's one really, really good year, but is that enough? No, but to be fair, I would rather you slowly, progressively get better every year than have a situation like Jordan Love or... um. Shoot, the Washington quarterback that just got that went just went undrafted. The Washington quarterback, yeah. Jake Browning. Jake Browning, who after his sophomore year was touted as a number one overall pick, and then gets injured his junior year and his senior year, he has a mediocre year and he doesn't even get drafted. He gets picked up, but I don't think he's. I don't even know if he's still on a team. Yeah, I know he was on the Vikings for a little bit, but. Oh, he finished the season on the Vikings practice squad. Okay. So. I mean, like, so, like, I would rather you slowly, progressively get better, and then your senior year, you're amazing. But at the same time, we've seen it so many times where that's happened, and then the next year, they just don't look good. It's like, um, like, Baker Mayfield, honestly. Like, he had yeah. this amazing year at Oklahoma. And then he comes into the NFL and we're expecting somebody like Patrick Mahomes or even Kyler Murray this year had an explosive year. And Mm -hmm. we really didn't get that from Baker Mayfield. And you can blame some of that on coaching both years, but some of that has to be on him and his limited skill set. Yep. So I don't know. I, I, I think Burrow has some huge bust potential. But I guess if he plays like he did in that uh, national championship, then he could be a definitely a franchise quarterback and p- potentially a top five quarterback. I don't know. I haven't Maybe. watched enough of Burrow to, to really give that evaluation. So That's fair. That's fair. But, but yeah, so for the Senior Bowl, that was about it. It's really hard. I have never really followed the bowl game thing at the end where there's all the all-star games. Yeah, no, like I, but I didn't even turn on the all-star game. Like I didn't pay attention to it. This, this, like who cares about the all-star game? Yeah. Like the the players usually don't even care about the game. Yeah. They're, they're not worried about like, it. The they're just trying ex- to show off. That's the, it. The most exciting thing from the pro bowl, the most, the thing I saw most highlights about wasn't even part of the game. It was Jarvis Landry playing dodgeball in which he didn't even get and a single player out by throwing the ball. He just caught everybody's ball, which 
I guess that's how you cool. win as a wide receiver in yeah, dodgeball. But it's like it's smart, but it wasn't. I didn't find it all that exciting. It's like, wait, we're just learning now that Jarvis Landry can throw catch balls, especially balls thrown by people who are not quarterbacks with huge arms. But whatever, you know, it was still pretty fun to watch. Yeah. I guess. That's funny. But, but yeah, so that's all I got for this week. All right. So because we didn't have a podcast last week, I still have to go over the conference championship games and then i'll preview the super bowl real quick um and then there's a few non on the field things to talk about um but first we have the texans chiefs game um so the texans went up by 10 points um and then kansas scored and then the texans went up by 17 to 7 and then after that point, never had a chance in this game. Like, they were just done at that point. Um, yeah. Patrick Mahomes had this amazing 27-yard run to take the lead right before half and, like, just showed off, like, how good he really is. After that, you just knew it was over. Like, Yeah. It sucked because I, I was I was digging it leading up to that. But then as soon as – yeah, as soon as the Chiefs took it – you just went, oh yeah, this is that's it. That's yeah, done. It's done. Um so the Chiefs defense had held Derrick Henry to sixty nine yards. Which is just perfect. Um he nearly had four hundred yards the two weeks before that. Um the Chiefs held the Titans under a hundred rush yards for the first time since week eight. And this was well, even with Chris Jones playing limited staff or snaps. Mm-hmm. And he definitely wasn't a hundred percent. The chiefs, what I, what I saw that, that, that like just showed how good they are is they had their trademark, like quick scoring drives where they score in like four plays. But then they also had these long extended drives where they took like 10 to 15 minutes off the clock which is just a, I, I don't know. It's just their offense when it's in rhythm, which it has been for the past two weeks, once they get going, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's unreal. Like mm-hmm. we just don't see that kind of, their offense is just amazing. Um, I am shocked. Eric Bieniemy has, was not stolen away as a head coach. Um, because he's done so well with that offense. Um, but yeah, there, there's not much more to say about this game. Like it was, it was fun to watch, but really after half the game was over, like they were just mm-hmm. putting on a show at that point. And, um, yep. it's not like they drove up the score this time either. They kind of just took the lead and then and sat on it. Yeah. Um, but I will say their defense definitely 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 impressed me this that week um and i'm excited to see what they do against san francisco um so on the flip side we have the san francisco green bay game and san francisco was just dominating this game from the beginning like they, yeah they started the game like 27 to 0 or something like that um they ended 37 to 20 and that's way closer than this game actually was 
Mm-hmm. Um, Raheem Mostert was the first player in postseason history to rush for 200 yards and have four touchdowns. That was wild. He was amazing in this game. Yeah, um, good game. Which the Green Bay defensive line I, I mean, their defense overall is, some, is very good. I was really shocked how well they were able to run on the on on the Green Bay defense. It didn't. I didn't feel like they were able to stop anything the Forty Nine ers were doing. Um, I will say Garoppolo only went six for eight for seventy seven yards. Yeah, which six completions? Yeah, six completions for a thirty seven point That's win. Wild. Um, so in fact, since he threw it. That interception in Minnesota, they have called 71 run plays in 12 passes. Wow. That's six to one runs to they, pass. They have no faith in him. So I wouldn't say that. So you're, you're not the only person saying that, that Kyle Shanahan doesn't believe in him. When asked about it, um, Shanahan said he, he, didn't, he doesn't have any change in trust in Garoppolo. Um, and he would ask if anybody who's asking about his trust in Garoppolo noticed how well they were running the ball. Because if you notice how well they were running the ball, they didn't need Jimmy G to put on the show. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, I think people are just sleeping on Jimmy. Um, he's already proven earlier this year. He can beat people with his arm. People just weren't paying attention yet. People just were still sleeping on the 49ers and thinking it was some fluke that they were where they were. Um, they were running the ball unbelievably and there's no reason to put the to try and force it when your offense is doing that well. Um okay. so there's a cool part of this game. I don't know if you saw this tweet. Um but there's there's a part where Kyle Shanahan like warns the ref, Hey, Kittle's gonna go inside and then he's gonna go outside. Oh yeah. And so when that. he goes outside, they're not gonna let him go outside. Um watch for the hold. And sure enough, Right Kittle there. goes inside, and as he goes outside, the the guy holds him, and the guy perfectly sees it, throws a flag. It was amazing. Um, it was to be fair, they the ref on the other side also threw the pass interference. Two flags came in, right? So even not, if he hadn't have said it, it's like so. I'm not saying that he's the only reason they got that called. Like from the ref's point of view, the one that we can see on Kyle Shanahan's side, yeah. It's very clearly that he's grabbing him and holding him. But it's just amazing that he's like before the, the play even starts, he's like, Hey, he's gonna be holding him on this play, just so you know. Yeah, that was good. That was but, that was pretty sweet. But um I think this this game and this season as a whole was a huge knock against Aaron Rodgers. Um if you just look at his stat line, it looks fine. Um Especially when you look, you see that the second interception came at the very end of the game on a fourth and thirteen, and it was basically like a hail mary play, and so it's like he really only had one interception in this game, but he has Aaron Jones who had the most touchdowns by a non quarterback this year. Devonte Adams is a top five receiver, and at some points in the season, I was thinking he was a number one receiver. He has a top ten offensive line and a top ten defense. And I just think if he's truly as great as we keep saying he is, he needs to win games like this. Um, This is the best team I think Aaron Rodgers has had. I agree with that. And they snuck by a fractured Seahawks team 
and got spanked by a 49ers team. Um, there was zero point in this game where I thought the Packers were better or as good as the 49ers. Oh, yeah, no. No, yeah. this was – as soon as the game started, it was it was done. Yeah, but I don't know. I just – the I, I haven't been impressed with the Packers that much this year. There were certain points of this year where I thought they were going to do super well, and their their winning record was – showed that they should have done really well <laughs> but they they barely snuck two games against the lions they <laughs> didn't look very good against the bears either time um anytime they played a team with a good defense they struggled and the 49ers brought a good defense and they couldn't stop the 49ers run um yeah i mean so as and I, and I know I joke about this, but as someone who grew up a Packers fan, in all reality, I right. really did grow up. Packers and Niners were the two that I grew up with. And then I adapted the Raiders once Jerry Rice went there. And then after that, it just kind of became more about who do I like, like what players do I like, and razzing you. Right. Um, but it really was this year where with the Packers, I mean, I followed them loosely, but it, it always felt like when I was looking at stuff, when I was doing stuff, I was like, okay, the Packers are decent this year, but I was always surprised at their record. You know, it was always like, oh yeah, the Packers are okay. Wait, they're, you know, yeah, they'll win the division. I, I, I feel comfortable with that, but like, oh, they're 13 and three. Like, oh, I didn't realize they were that good. Right. And I, I really think, yeah, with the uh, with the game against Seattle, it was a oh, okay, is Seattle that that good then? But against San Francisco, it was clear. It's like no, they're just they're not there. Yeah, so really not impressed with Green Bay this off season or this postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think. I mean, at this point, like, I don't see Aaron Rodgers winning a Super Bowl. Like, if you couldn't win this yeah, year... No, probably not. No. You're just going to get older, and your arm's going to get worse, and your teams are never going to be this good. Um, <laughs> I do want to shout out Richard Sherman, because he's been huge for the 49ers. Been killing it, yeah. Um, people that roasted good, him for, for not having an agent. Yeah. And we're calling his contract awful. And yeah. He, what I didn't know, and got it done. he turned down a lot more money from the Lions. Like the Lions offered him a lot more money than the 49ers did. But because oh, really? of the 49ers culture compared to the Lions culture, he took the 49ers deal. Um, he's just, yeah, like he's a smart player. He's one of the best at his position. Um, shout out to that guy. That guy's amazing. He's going to play a that. role in this game. Yeah, um, I didn't know that about the Lions. That's pretty sick. Yeah, I didn't know either. So, um, but yeah, that that leads up to the Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl coming up this week. Um, so the Chiefs are favored by a point and a half. And I think that all is you have to give the slight edge to the team with a better quarterback, especially when that quarterback is the best quarterback in the league. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm... I'm so, so excited for this game. 
I've been this excited. Yeah. yeah, I've been excited for this matchup since I saw the potential like like halfway through the season. Um, I truly expect Mostert to be the key for the 49ers game plan. Um, mm. The Chiefs did stop a Titans run game that at, seemed unstoppable. Um, but the, the 49ers are completely run different or a different run scheme. They run more of a zone, whereas the Titans kind of just smash you in the face over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to require a different game plan um, and just amazing execution to stop the 49ers run game. But if mm-hmm. the 49ers run game can't get going, you're going to have to depend on Jimmy G. Um, and if that's the case, expect a lot of, passes over the middle to Kittle and then Samuels and Sanders trying to get deep routes. And then I guarantee there's going to be one surprise jet sweep by Samuels that probably goes for 30 yards unless one of the chiefs snuff it out. Um, I I have the chiefs winning this one. Um, but for the first time in two games, I, I expect or three games, I, I guess I expect the chiefs will play a lot closer most of the game like they're not gonna run away with this game um i agree with that i expect something like 35 to 31 with the 49ers having a chance at the end of the game and the chiefs defense making a big play to end the game um okay i'm just super i don't know i don't want to say i'm super excited for this game i i agree it's an amazing matchup it's one of those i saw one the other day that said this is the first Super Bowl in a while that you don't just already know who's going to win. Like you can feel confident that the Chiefs are going to win, but a lot of the recent ones, you kind of just it felt like you knew the answer before the game started. Whereas on this one, like if you were to say, like like how you said, like it thirty five thirty one late in the game, like it wouldn't shock you for the Niners to be in a position and win it like no no not at all for it for it to be a close game that the Niners pull out you'd be like oh yeah that makes sense and for you to say that the Chiefs win a close one be like yeah that makes sense like all all it would take for that makes a lot of sense either way yeah all for all it would take for that score to flip around is the 49ers to make one big play on defense and score instead of Mahomes scoring a touchdown if they got a pick six all of a sudden it's going to be 38 to 28 49ers like this game is so close that it'll be a it's it's really good i'm really excited and what i really hope is i really really do hope that it's the 49ers run game versus the chiefs pass game like i really do hope that the 49ers are gonna come out with like a super run heavy game plan um because i i I just think that'll be fun to watch like the two, two sides battling out um but i if i had to guess i would guess that after after this past game past couple games actually um they probably will run a lot with Mostert, but i think i would expect jimmy g to get more than eight passes this game for sure um so that's about it for the super bowl that i have like it's just gonna be a really good game um chiefs should be favored in this one but um but yeah the 49ers are an amazing team and can definitely pull this one out um it's gonna be a close game 
it's probably going to come down to the last possession and potentially overtime. Um, but yeah, just a few other things that happened this week. Eli Manning finally retired. Um, yeah. So a lot of discussion has been going on about whether or not he should be a Hall of Famer. Oh, he should be. I want to hear your arguments first. Why do you think Eli Manning should be a Hall of Fame quarterback? He won two Super Bowls, um, and they were two of the more memorable Super Bowls of the past two decades. He had a he had a fairly long career that was notable. It was Pro Bowl. It was he was a top quarterback in the league for an extended period of time. Um, I think that, that I think he has a strong legacy. We'll always remember how uh, Manning, how Eli was able to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl twice, and I think that alone is the le- is I, I think that's what the pro or the Hall of Fame is all about, and I think that legacy is what should do it. So Sage Rosenfels, a writer for The Athletic, tweeted something similar to what he said, or -hmm. what you said, but he said, if you play quarterback in the NFL for 16 seasons, start 15 and a half of them, and you don't miss a game due to injury, and you have two Super Bowl MVPs, you are a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Since when did longevity become a primary qualifier for the Hall of Fame? Well, it's the idea that he got two Super Bowl MVPs as well. I get that. I think because the Hall of Fame is all about legacy, and if you play for a long amount of time, you build a legacy. I get it. But he's a 500 quarterback, literally. He ended his career 117 and 117. He didn't even tie a single game in his career to make it. Like, I I never thought he was a top five quarterback at any point in his career. He had two freak performances against us in Super Bowls, beating Tom Brady. That's the only thing in the, my mind that has him as a Hall of Fame candidate, and that's not enough for me. Being a 500 quarterback and never being a top five quarterback in the league at any point in your career, you're not a Hall of Famer. Just because you played for a long time doesn't mean you should get in the Hall of Fame. Longevity but- is not a primary qualifier. I mean... So for let me explain that. Tom Brady has been one of the best quarterbacks in the league for nearly 20 years. That's where longevity comes into play. Tom Brady has been one of the best quarterbacks for the past 20 years and has a I I don't know. I just don't think I think the the legacy is great, but you also have to be great and Eli Manning is not a great quarterback I don't know he's got he's got records he's got if you play for 16 years you're going to have records well like for example one of the records he has is most fourth quarter touchdown passes in a season most passing yards in a single postseason yeah he had a couple postseason those are good records um, I think four Pro Bowls and two Super Bowl MVPs. Um, is, two Pro Bowls? Or sorry, four Pro Bowls and two Super Bowl MVPs. Four Pro Bowls in 16 years. 
And I'm guessing two of those are the two Super Bowl years. So that means he had two Super Bowl worthy years. Actually, well, maybe they are. 2008, 11. No, one of them wasn't. It was the year after the Super Bowl. His first Pro Bowl was the year after his first Super Bowl. Okay, so there was probably just some hype from the previous year because he wasn't that great that year either. Uh, it was one of his better years. He had that was one of his higher completion percentages, similar passing yards that year. He cut his interceptions in half from the Super Bowl year to the year he made the Pro Bowl. It was that year, that first Pro Bowl was not. Yeah, was his best interception, like his lowest interceptions f- over the course of the season, accounting for like per game. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was his best quarterback rating so far. It was yeah. Right. I think the whole thing is is that Hall of Fame is about legacy. It's called the Hall of Fame. It's not yeah. called the Hall of Being uh, of Skill. Would we be it's talking about, about this if his brother wasn't Peyton Manning and his father wasn't who he was? I think the two Super Bowl MVPs are what does it. It's the two Super Bowl MVPs. It's the two wins over Brady. That's what does it for me. I recognize he's incredibly mediocre everywhere else, but it's that alone is the legacy that should put him in. Flacco has a Super Bowl MVP after a freak postseason. Should we give him a Hall of Fame jacket? Does he have two? No. Okay. Give me the second one. I think it's the whole idea that Flacco, sometimes people forget. Like, I think, yeah, it, it goes around with like the Peyton Manning and, and his dad and stuff. But like, everybody says Eli beat the Patriots. It wasn't a thing where it was like the Giants and everything. Like the joke when Eli retired was that Tom Brady was celebrating because he wouldn't have to meet Eli in the Super Bowl anymore. Like I recognize that hasn't been a threat in ten years. Oh, I know it hasn't. But that was the joke. That was the second Eli retired. Everybody immediately thought of the Patriots not having to worry about facing Eli. So because we hate the Patriots so much and because he happened to beat them twice in the Super Bowl, we're going to give him a Hall of Fame jacket. the perfect season. Right. I get yeah. that. But that, that does, I, I don't think that makes a Hall of Famer. I don't. I really don't. I don't think he's good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. I think I that's think- a slap into the face, whoever the one player is that they're keeping out over Eli Manning. I think it's clear that we will remember Peyton or will remember Eli and that alone should be it. It should be the idea of, are you, I will never forget Mark Sanchez. Should I give Mark Sanchez a golden jacket? It's if he did it for excellence, if he, if what he did was for, for excellence. Sure. If the butt fumble had been excellence. Sure. No. But when when we're talking about two Super Bowl MVPs, that's something that 
is extremely limited for people to have. He's one of only five players to have multiple MVP awards, Super Bowl MVP awards. I don't care. That's not enough for me. Being one of five players in history to have multiple Super Bowl MVP awards is not enough? Not enough to be a Hall of Famer, no. That's BS. To be mediocre for 99% of your career, but play one decent season and an amazing postseason. Two amazing postseasons. Yeah, sorry. Two amazing postseasons. So but, in eighth of the time, he he got the ring. And he got the MVP, the Super Bowl MVP. That to me is is great. I I just think this is going to be one of those things that we're never going to agree on. Um, I just don't think longevity is a qualifier, so that's thrown out the window. So the only thing on his resume that makes him on a Hall of Fame ballot is his two Super Bowl MVPs, and that alone does not make a Hall of Famer to me. But Bill O'Brien should have been fired this offseason, like for sure. But instead, he was just named their GM as well as their coach, which if he was just if he was just named the GM, he would have been it would have been fine. Like if you had told me we're we're moving oh, yeah, Bill O'Brien okay. to GM, I might be okay with that. But he <laughs> the bed this year as a coach, and you're yeah. gonna reward him with giving him another title. But, get. Which I think. The Tunsil trade may or may not be worth it compared, depending on who you talk to. Like, <laughs> I'm on the fence on that one. I don't yep. think the Jadavian Clowney trade was all that great, although I don't think he was in a good position. So, I, I just don't think he should have a job right now, especially as a head coach or a GM, but especially as both. Um, the Texans will never, never be a Super Bowl team with Bill O'Brien as the coach. I'll tell you that now. They will never be a Super Bowl team with Bill O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that. So I just, I can't imagine Texans fans are super happy to see this after I saw so many of them calling for his head. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I guess we'll see how they do in the draft and how they do next year. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but I'm not because Bill O'Brien is <laughs> But um, Philip Rivers' contract is up in San Diego. And they and probably, he's out of San Diego. He's done. Th- so there was, a, there was a report that was misquoted of Jay Glazer saying that the, the Chargers have moved on from Philip Rivers and they won't pursue him at all. Um. That being said, they're most likely over Philip Rivers and probably will not be resigning him next year. Yeah, and to me, it sounded like Philip Rivers is done too. Like, you mean like retiring? No, like uh, out, just he's he's done with with uh, San Diego. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he's done with the Chargers. I definitely don't think his career is quite over. Um, I think there's plenty of teams that'll be drafting a quarterback this year that want a veteran quarterback in the room that can start and be serviceable for up to a year. Yeah. And I think Philip Rivers can fill that role. Um, Drew Brees is potentially retiring. He said sometime this week that 
he'll have a decision made in the next month or so. I didn't realize that was up in the year for this year. Um, I was thinking he had at least one year more for sure. Mm-hmm. Granted, I did say at the beginning of the year that I expected him to retire, so maybe that's not. But I just felt like with how this year went, he wanted one more year. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, Taysom Hill is also a free agent. Yeah. The Saints have come out and said they think Taysom Hill is a franchise quarterback. I think that's a whole bunch of hogwash. I don't think anybody don't thinks Taysom Hill is I a franchise quarterback. It. We have never seen Taysom Hill be a franchise quarterback. He made one great throw all season, and yes, it just so happened to be in the playoffs and was a deep And like, it wasn't even throw. that good of a throw. No, it wasn't. He was, his player just beat the other player so badly that he hit him wide open. Completely underthrew him, um, yeah. but it was a deep play and... Drew Brees right. an interception on the so same play. So I have a trivia question for you. Okay. You don't have it. You don't have Taysom's stats up, do you? Oh, God no. How many games did Taysom Hill complete two or more passes this season? Zero. Exactly. How many game? How many completions did he have? Four, counting the postseason. Yep. He had four completions on the season. Yep. Counting the post. How many how many attempts did he have? I uh one, two, three, four, five, seven. He seven. had seven. So four, so four of seven. for seven on the season. I mean, he that's a, almost what Jimmy Garoppolo did last week. Yeah. He had completions for 18, 17, 20, and 50. Yeah. He's a gimmick player. He can yep. fit in a system that, like, I think the Ravens, I think Taysom Hill could be an amazing addition to the Ravens. Um, I just, that just came to my head. Um, but I yep. think they could use his skills a lot. Um, especially because they use their tight ends a lot. So having a tight end that can catch the ball, but also they can throw him in the wild card or, like, <laughs> do a completely open set with no running backs and then you you pull Taysom Hill back. And then all of a sudden you have Taysom Hill and Lamar Jackson in the backfield. And, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. So, I, think I totally agree. Good. He's definitely not a franchise quarterback, though. That's He's never going to be a franchise quarterback. Nope. Never. Um, I, if it's... Drew Brees retires, I see them giving the contract to Bridgewater. They I might agree. give a contract to Taysom Hill, but I think he's going to demand more than they're willing to give to a backup quarterback and somebody they're going to use as a tight end um, running back gadget player. Yeah, that that's my big thing is I I just cannot imagine them honestly giving good money to Taysom. No, when especially when it's have- a guy who is playing seventy to eighty percent of their special team snaps, who's at his most this season. He played forty nine percent of their offensive snaps in a That's game. That's high. That what, is high. What that game was, was the that? Uh, Carolina game. So okay. he started the season. Um, his low was the third game of the season at seven okay. percent, and he slowly climbed. And the last two games at Carolina and Minnesota um, were his only two games above forty percent. Okay, I was going to say I expected it to be around. 30 to 40 percent yeah most of the games are sub 30 okay 
I mean, most of the games are between 10 and 20%. I'm not going to say this for sure, but maybe they overused Taysom Hill in that game against Minnesota because they shouldn't have lost that game. No. So. Wouldn't be shocked. I mean, it. That's weird to say when Taysom Hill had the most like offensive had 50 rushing yards and twenty five pass or receiving yards and a fifty yard pass. Yeah, so he put up a like hundred and twenty five all purpose yards. That mm-hmm. I mean, and that's definitely more than anyone else on that team. Oh, I mean, I guess yeah. Drew Brees probably had more than hundred. Yeah, Drew Brees would have more than but but that doesn't. No. I don't know. I just. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where he lands up, but I can almost guarantee you that it it will not be at the Saints starting quarterback. I don't like the Saints, so I'm really praying they get rid of Teddy Bridgewater and sign Taysom Hill as their starting quarterback after Andrew Brees retires. I would love that. I would love to see them suck for a year um, and have to draft a quarterback next year. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I guess we're just going to have to see on that one. Um but yeah, I'm super excited for the Super Bowl this week. Um, That'll be good. If the Chiefs win, we'll probably have Brolo on next week so he can uh, he can talk some trash and yeah, bask in glory. So um, we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's all I have for this week. So I guess thanks okay. for listening. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next week. Peace.